that took some therapy for real. And like some, I felt like for me, I think it took like some like spirituality, like getting really deep within myself. Like if I'm gonna say I'm a no God for real, for real, like I'm gonna be all sold out, like heart, soul, mind, body, all that kind of stuff. Like what does that mean for my relationship with myself? What Shakespeare said, like to thine own self be true. How are you gonna be mm-hmm. true to yourself if you don't know who you are? If you can't sit with yourself and like think through who am I? What do I like? What do I dislike? Like, Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Permission to Pivot podcast. I'm your host, Jasmine, and I'm so excited about the guest that we have today. Bree Thomas is in the building and here to drop some gems for y'all. Bree, could you introduce yourself for the listeners and let us know who you are, um, what you do, and where you're at? Yeah, of course. So my name is Bree Thomas. I currently live in Dallas, Texas. I'm originally from Alabama, um, home sweet home. And I am an academic counselor at a high school. So I manage grades, progress to graduation, tracking. And I'm also a spin instructor. I like need to give that as well. I'm also a spin instructor at Grit Fitness um, out in Dallas, Texas. Um, and I've been in the education space uh, since I graduated college. So for Almost four whole years now. Yikes. Isn't that I, crazy? <laughs> that just made me feel so old. I know. Um, y'all, Brie is one of my the former student leaders that I got to work with when I was at Auburn University. And that statement alone just made me feel just a bit aged, just a bit. And it's okay though. Um, okay, so we're going to jump into it. Uh, we usually start off real strong. So the first thing I want to ask you is, could you talk about One, I'm sure there've been many, but one of the growth moments um, that's occurred over your lifetime that you think has significantly influenced um, who you are today or what you're doing and how you sort of got to where you are now? Uh, Yeah, sure. Um, I think something, I guess, big, like going into education, I thought I was going to be a lawyer when I went to college. I was like, okay, like, I want to be, I'm going to be a lawyer. And I'd always wanted to be a teacher and people had said stuff like, oh, you would like waste your time. You'd waste your talent. You wouldn't make any money, anything like that. If you became a teacher and like people, I had somebody straight up tell me that I would waste my God-given talent if I became a teacher because I was too smart for that, which is crazy. Cause I was like, you know, don't we want the smartest people in society to be educators, but whatever. So I went to college and majored in political science because I was like, okay, this way I can major sort of in history and government, but if I want to go to law school, I can like appease that part of everybody in my hometown of 5,000 people wanting me to make it, to make it big, to do the thing. And I got to college and realized like, oh, I don't actually want to be a lawyer at all. Like that seems really miserable. Uh, They make lots of money, but it doesn't seem fun. The whole like impact for the greater good situation it wasn't, it wasn't giving what it was supposed to give. And so I was like, dang, okay, like, how can I help people? And like the common theme along like my college experience was like fairness, justice, equity. Like, how do I make things the most fair, the most just, the most equitable for all types of people? And I think being involved as a student leader and like really just like being involved when like when you were working with OID with Office of Inclusion Diversity and 
running for student government president and being involved in a lot of campus organizations really opened my eyes to the fact that we were living in not even just two separate worlds, but like multiple separate worlds. And a lot of it came down to what type of high school you went to. And I was like, dang, educational inequity is like a really, really, really big problem because the separation between the haves and the have nots, I guess, if you could say at Auburn was, was about money, but a lot of it was pinpointed down to like, where'd you go to high school? And people from, as I met people from bigger cities, um, where they were zoned to go to high school, even within Alabama, made so much of a difference of what their educational outcome was. And I had a friend who went to a Montgomery public school and he said something to me of like, nobody expected me to make it to Auburn. And I was like, what do you mean? You went to Montgomery public schools? Like, there's not really anything else. And he was like, but Montgomery public schools isn't up to the caliber of the private schools. And my best friend went to a private school in Montgomery. And I was like, oh, y'all live in the same city and had such a vastly different experience because of who had money and who did not. Mm -hmm. And I applied for, for Teach for America and moved to Dallas and worked and have only worked in Title I schools. And it is, that has changed my life. Like kids, I went to a, underperforming school but not a title one school technically mm -hmm. and like my experience is so vastly different even from the kids that I work with because being economically disadvantaged is different than like being rural so I have mm -hmm. a master's now in urban education and I'm like wow like the the point of like being economically disadvantaged being in an urban setting and being like a minoritized in a minoritized group is like boom 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 the education situation is wild and it's like what are we going to do about that and so I think that like is a really roundabout way of saying like that's what changed my life is realizing that education and who how we grew up has so much of is so much of a determinant of who we become and it's not fair that like you know the cliche like your zip code determines your opportunity mm -hmm. but it does it really really does and that like changed me and that's what I'm like working towards now is making that more equitable yeah one because I've been in that environment so I know exactly what you're talking about but two because I was zoned for a public school that has always been in the top 20 best school systems in the state um mm -hmm. and you know living down the road from Birmingham City and knowing that like the outcomes for students in Birmingham City look entirely different. The way that we talk about them even in higher education like look entirely different. And so I love that you had that aha moment as a student because I don't think there are oftentimes students like having those aha moments um, that then influence like the work that you want to do, right? Like it's one thing to have that moment and say like, oh damn, like that really sucks. And it's another thing to be like, that really sucks. And like, there's something that I could do to impact the way that other folks experience education, right? Um, and yeah. to try to and attempt to equalize or be an equalizer in the system, that is definitely inequitable. So I love that. What is something, so you talk about working in like Title I schools. Um, what is, I'm curious to know, what is something that you thought you knew about the students that you would work with that actually you got wrong and you've learned something different from af after working in, in those schools for about four years? Yeah. Um... 
what I'm trying to think. I think I, I can't address this question without addressing like my own perceived bias. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I from, am from a place with a very low Latinx population. And so moving to a place with a really high Latinx population, like the first school I worked at had an 85% Latinx population. The current school I work at has a 98% Latinx population. Wow. 98%, you know? And so um, being an L student or like an English language learner, somebody who's learning English as a second language, um, there are levels to being an English language learner. Like if you are more proficient in your native language, you are, you tend to be more proficient in English. And I think like the differentiation of like meeting, like I thought I knew what it meant to meet kids where they were like, oh, I got you. Like I can see you in your hardship, like your social and behavioral situation. Like I got you. I grew up low income. I'm there. I never, ever have experienced not understanding the dominant language in a place and Mm -hmm. trying to accommodate for um, what that meant. And also like, I didn't grow up around a lot of Latinx people. So my misconceptions of like, like Hispanic Latinx culture, all of those have been challenged <laughs> since I moved to Texas. And I'm like, damn, I really didn't know nothing. Like I, I really thought I, I was like, oh, I understand diversity and inclusion. And you realize like, dang, maybe I didn't grow up, I'm black, but maybe I didn't grow up in a diverse environment. And when I got to my school, I was like, hmm, I did not grow up in a diverse enough environment because even like little like cultural sayings and like, oh, like I expected all my kids to be Catholic. They're not, a lot of them are, but like all of my kids aren't Catholic or like learning like like the nuances of particularly Mexican culture and like how you address elders and teachers and all that kind of stuff I was like oh dang like I thought I had that down pat because I was like a diversity like a DEI beacon of light and I got here and I was like oh damn I need to shut up (laughs) and listen (laughs) at Auburn though at Auburn though yeah you were were. somebody who like got it yeah but when I moved I was I was still somebody who got it but I needed to shut my mouth and listen way more than I needed to do any educating on that kind of topic when I got here. Man, Brie, um, <laughs> you you said so much in such a short amount of time because I think that sometimes um, other folks, and I would say folks who are not like deeply entrenched in DEI efforts and justice work, <clears throat> make this assumption that if that is the work that you undertake and that's you know the the hill that you sort of die on um so to speak that you are this expert in all things right and the reality is that like even folks who work in diversity equity inclusion we still we're still learning and and when the environments change sometimes it exposes like wow one either I'm I'm severely misinformed or two like I was unconsciously holding a bias because I haven't been around x population of people Right. Right. So I haven't had an experience that allows me to like truly get a peek into this culture, this experience. And not to say that like Latinx culture, like black culture is so broad. And so it's like, I have a decent, a better understanding of Mexican culture now, but like, okay. Like, and that, that's not, that that doesn't speak for all Latinx, like all of the Latinx people that I may ever encounter. Right. And so 
I think like what a I know has that's been that's always humbling when I have that experience and so I'm making an assumption that it likely was a bit humbling for you too. <laughs> extremely humbling when you're like oh like let me tell you about what I know and the and also like the perception like the like I came into it as much as I knew this was the the like wrong mindset to have it's like I'm gonna teach these kids I'm gonna love them and I'm gonna help them and I because of the program that I did and also just being like a college student, like like they like they pump you up like you are such a leader you are so driven like you can do anything you can change the world and I'm like yeah like I'm gonna help these kids and then it's like girl at the end of the day you still 22 you don't know what's going on you don't know how to pay your bills yet calm down and I would get in front of kids and be like okay like let me impart all of this knowledge onto you as a history teacher and like give you the real stuff and I remember I had a kid go when are we going to learn about Mexicans and I went "Mm, you know this is world history we haven't even gotten to that part of the country like the world yet like Mm. we're gonna get there is my is my curriculum actually culturally relevant do you see yourself in the curriculum and I thought like I'm telling black stories a lot but like I was again I wasn't meeting my kids where they were at Mm. I was like "Mm," because y'all are not black Mm. yeah yeah I love that I'm wondering what has been like one of the most challenging moments for you in education broadly right because I I have a lot of thoughts about education I have a lot of thoughts about K through 12 when I work in higher ed. I have a lot of thoughts about higher ed too. And so I'm curious because you're in the K through 12 space. What, what has been like one of the biggest challenges that you've navigated as an educator? Yeah, I think we're kind of in an all out assault on education. Like to get really philosophical, we live in like a super post-truth world, like getting Mm. the kids, like the research process where like you get on the computer, you go to not LexisNexis, that's for law school, like JSTOR. And you go and you look up the articles and you read and you you cite and you do this and you do that. Um, I did a project one year where the kids had to debunk or support a conspiracy theory. And when I tell you the sources for like the debunking or the supporting I was like, y'all, what are, or what is COVID isn't real.com? That's my source. Huh? I was like, where did y'all get that from? Like, obviously it's biased or it's, you know, like it's going to present one view one way. And the kids were like, but it said it on the internet. So it obviously has to be real. Or like, I, I saw this on TikTok and I was like, okay, well, you have to corroborate your sources. The corroboration process is just not there anymore. And that's a broader cultural thing that we're experiencing. Like when we're not listening, when you're watching the news and you're inundated with like, there's a virus going around. It's a dude who has been studying viruses and viruses only for 40 years. We probably should listen to him. When there are people telling you, no, there's absolutely no way he could be right you are left in a really odd place of like, what do we, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. And I think that like critical thinking skills have been underemphasized in education. Yes, so I agree. We've, we've set ourselves up to never believe anything, but to never be able to figure out what we believe. Yeah. Or how, or how the process how. of figuring it out. And so it's like, it's sometimes a little scary, like, okay like okay whatever yeah and I think part of it is like our um for students like I think about 
back when I was in middle school and high school, right? Like your source of information and news was still kind of the news. Like it was, it was the Huffington Post and it was, it was, you know, like these, these credible mm-hmm. peer reviewed spaces um, where, I mean, there's always going to be bias, but where, you know, they're trying to write from a neutral, a neutral standpoint, right? Where now, like students' primary source of information is TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and all of these other spaces where everyone is not doing their due diligence to make sure that they present an unbiased or neutral argument. Like they're just talking to talk from their opinion. Right. And it's helping students to understand when, when that's occurring. So you can, you can cite a primary source. Well. <laughs> and I'm like, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really scary. Cause like, it's like, how do you combat that? Like mm-hmm. what, what do you do? Um, you're getting to the point now where it's like, okay, like I'm going to give you the facts. And it's like, well, what are the facts? Which facts from who? From who? Yeah. Like we talk about like a a people's history. Like when, when kids are asking like, well, how do we know that happened? And I'm like, oh, well, they wrote it down, but so-and-so said that that, that was misinterpreted or whatever. And it's like, good gracious. Like, yeah. How do we, we just keep going around and around and around. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see how as an educator, particularly in the K through 12 space, that's, that is hard to navigate. Think about in the K through, in the higher ed space, right. Where I'm like, where is the critical thinking skill, but higher ed is the place where like we, we are open to that challenge, both in the classroom and outside of it. Right. Um, And there's lots of folks with lots of different perspectives. And I think K through 12 is not necessarily a place where you can't challenge it, but that's, that's typically not the environment of most K through 12 experiences. Right. And so I could see how it's that like tension of like, ah, uh, you can't use TikTok as a primary source love. You can't. Unless, unless you're citing someone who's an expert in their field. And even then, like you can't use TikTok as your primary source. Um, so yeah, I want to switch gears a little bit because so you've been out of undergrad for four years. So you're like emerging into it's sort of a seasoned, a little seasoned adult. Oh God. <laughs> and you're not, you're like coming out of being a baby adult into like a more seasoned adult. And I'm very like, I'm very happy about this for you. Um, so I'm curious to know, like, as you transitioned, like from undergrad and you sort of found your footing, like in your professional career, what were some of the like growth moments that you didn't anticipate happening, but are you're glad that they happened. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, like changing of like, like my friendship dynamics, Ooh. like all of my friends live, like all of my friends from college live away mm-hmm. from here. So I have like one sorority sister who lives in Dallas and a second one who like just moved, but everybody else like my close really really good core like the closest person it's four hours away um so like becoming okay and learning how to like manage an adult friendship was not on my plate like I knew things would change like I'm there you're here but like we'll have money we'll fly to see each other it'll be fun like and then you like settle into your life and you're like oh maybe I will only see you once a year at the same time every year. And we're going to carve out a little bit of time to 
do the same thing every year and make it a tradition because this is the only time that I'm going to see you. So I did not anticipate that. And I also didn't anticipate, like, I didn't know, I didn't really, I didn't understand money (laughs) Uh, as a college student and becoming an adult with a salary really threw me for a whirlwind. Um, I said to somebody in Teach for America, like, it's really crazy because y'all are so used to recruiting rich kids from privileged neighborhoods to come teach in poor areas that you forget when you recruit people who grew up low income themselves. In some situations, like in Dallas, we don't get paid enough, but we're paid better than a lot of places. Um, You are making somebody middle class for the first time in their life. Mm. there was no support for like what it meant to be middle class so I was like oh I am like very comfortably middle class what do I do like how do I save money like how do I pay for like what do I do with all this money so my very first paycheck Auburn played Oregon at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington And I set aside my rent money and blew through a thousand dollars in two days, just gone. My friends came into town. We went to the game. We did the thing, you know, we had a whole time and I blew through a thousand dollars in two days and was very much like, oh, I cannot do that again, but I don't even, I don't even know how to conceptualize this much money and what it means to have it. And I was not anticipating that at all. <laughs> I could just see you. I could just see you swiping your card. Just... Or like walking up to the bar at the the like tailgate and being like, oh my God, I got it. Yeah. Like, you guys want a shot? Oh my God, I know you. Come on, come on, come on. Yep. I could see you. And then on Monday, you looking at your bank statement and being like, what the hell? Yeah. What was that? Spending my card. I'm about to go. Tell the bank this is fraud. I don't even know where all these charges came from. I don't remember half these charges. I don't know where they came from. (laughs) Or being like ordering Ubers to go like 35 minutes away, which is a lot of money. Yeah. And going to lunch and dinner. We ate like every meal out the weekend my friends were here. And it, it just, I was like, this is too much. And the rest, literally the rest of the month, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to live. Thank God I put my rent payment to the side. You know, <laughs> sometimes past self is is looking out for future self. Yes. And in those moments, I'm always thankful. Like you were looking out for me. I was looking out for me. I'm like, <laughs> I love that. Um, I want to spend a little time because you talked about your friend group. Um, and I love, I love your friend group from college. Your core, <laughs> your core folks. Shout out to Ghana. Um, and I'm curious sort of, um, not necessarily like how the dynamics have changed as you sort of talked about it, but I'm curious, like what you've learned about yourself, um, and how you show up like in not just friendships, I would say just in relationships overall, um, when those dynamics from your core people, the people have like been your ride or dies for four years, how that maybe influenced like your sense of self and what you know about yourself in relationships. Yeah, I really had to, I think people talk about it a lot and like maybe people aren't being as honest about it. I really had to learn that like not speaking to people is not like people do not hate me because they're not talking to me all the time. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I really had a really hard time with like adjusting to, I am no longer spending all of my time with my people. And just because like, like the phone, the phone really does work both ways. Like, and we might miss each other a lot, like physically, like, oh my God, I miss you so much. But we also might be missing each other, like on the phone. Like I might text you and you might not respond for two days. And that does not mean that you hate me and that like you are ignoring me and you want me to die or anything. Like you're just busy. And I had to become okay with like, it's all right if I don't talk to you for a whole month. Like it really is. And it's not like there's no love lost or anything like that. But like life really do be life in out here. And yeah, I had to learn not to take it personally. Um, and I had to learn how to get really comfortable with myself. Like I grew up an only child, but I had to learn to get really comfortable with myself. I love that. One, I don't think enough people are talking about that transition from college to adulting in whatever way that is for you, whether it's you're going straight into like a professional career or you're going to grad school or something else. Yeah. Like the dynamics change and they change pretty significantly. Um, mm-hmm. If you think about like, I've had proximity to you for four or five years. And then we go from like, oh, you live in Dallas and I live in DC and my, our other friend lives in Atlanta. And then our other friend lives in California. Like what? Right. Right. And nobody prepares you for like, one, like some of the grief that comes with like, oh, the dynamics of this relationship are changing. And it's a relationship that not that I didn't think could change, but that I hoped like the dynamics stayed relatively the same when I left. Right. Right. And it's a, like a whole grief process going through. Oh my God, my friendships are changing. I hate that. And I love that you, you have leaned into, you know what, like, let me get comfortable with myself because I think a, a good sense of self then allows you to show up in all of your relationships, whether that's platonic, familial, or romantic in a very different way. Yes. To say the least, right? Yes. <laughs> I feel like in college, life is chaotic, like for good and for bad. Like it's so chaotic all the time. Like you're up, you're down, you're here, you're there. You're ah, like, oh my God, I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Like I'm doing everything. And when you transition into like an adult level relationship, familial, like even my mom. Yeah. Like you're right. Like familial, platonic, romantic, like you realize that life really does go in seasons. And so it's okay to triple text somebody or to be the friend in this season who's always doing the reaching out first. And it doesn't mean that they don't care about you or that they're not putting effort into you um, or that they don't like love you. But like, if life is in a a low season for somebody, I, I learned how to be more intentional with like how I reach out and like structure time to talk to people and make sure that I'm checking in because I care. And it's not, I learned not to be so resentful of like, oh, like I always text such and such first. Well, like, yeah, like such and such has a terrible boss and they got six more months on the, on the rotation they're in and they can't get out of the situation they're in. So for the next six months, I need to be the person who kind of pushes this relationship forward because they're, you know, they don't have the capacity to do that. Um, and that's being an adult. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that like, there's so, I think that you see two sides of the coin, right? Like, I think there are 
folks <clears throat> that say like, well, the phone works two ways. So like, if you're not hitting me up then I'm not gonna hit you up. And like, it, the relationship will fizzle. And then there's the other side of the coin. Like you're saying, we're like, the consideration and intention matters mm-hmm. for the people that you say you care about and that you love, right? And so it's, I've got to know my capacity in this season because I, there will be seasons where like, I don't have capacity to show up for all of my friends in the way that I have in the past. And I hope that we have enough longevity and that you have enough consideration of me and care for the relationship to say like, you know what, Jazz is in like in a different, a different space. And so maybe, maybe I have to do more right in this season and I don't think we talk enough about like it's okay to be intentional with your friends and it's okay sometimes to give more based on the season now hopefully the season's not lasting for 10 years right (laughs) hopefully you you know the season and the season should be ebbing and flowing right so um but I think that yeah like that intentionality in friendship is important um I joke with my friends I'm in the same situation like all of my close friends none of us live close to each other I gotta drive six hours to get home those are my closest friends live at home um and when I am texting people and I'm like oh I thought of you whatever whatever and then we get to like let's catch up I'm like no no, no let's schedule some time right now because yes. we don't go back and forth let's catch up let's catch up for four or five uh four or five weeks and then we not gonna have caught up still right and so it's like okay let me look at my calendar you look at your calendar we gonna put this on the calendar and hopefully nothing comes up that would have precedent over us catching up. But it's just funny because I feel like in, in college, I was not scheduling my friends into my, I was no. like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna see you in the calf. Like, I'm gonna see you at this event. I'm gonna see you in class, like whatever. And now it's like, oh no, no, no. Like I need two weeks in advance. I need to know that we're planning to catch up at seven o'clock via FaceTime for at least an hour or two hours. Um, yes. Because if I don't put it in my calendar, I'm not gonna remember it. Then I'm gonna feel like a bad friend. Exactly. And then I get a text at 630, like, okay, y'all, we, we meeting up. And it's like, oh, my oh. God, I have dinner. I have this. I have this. I have that. Like, my mama here, my mama, this, this, that. And it's like, okay, like, we need to put some time down for real because we have like real adult lives and stuff going on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And you, you talked about, I want to go back to you sort of talking about this relationship with self. And I'm curious, like, what has that process and journey been like for you? Yeah, because I know a lot of people are talking about like soft girl season and like, oh yeah, self-care, like love yourself. But like, what is that? What I want to hear from someone who is not a TikTok influencer, who's not a content creator for a living, like talk about like, what's the real about really like journeying to like love yourself and appreciate yourself and be okay with spending time like with yourself by yourself. Yeah, um, I think I went through a really like a rough, a rough season of like, being really brutally honest with myself. And I'm like a conspiracy theorist. So like I will spiral. I will spiral down a hole. Like I will let like one, you have to realize as a person, like you can do shitty things too. Like other people can do really mean things to you, but you can do um, really mean things to other people or like maybe you didn't show up. Maybe you dropped the ball. Maybe you did that. And I sometimes will let like, one situation where I drop the ball, be like, oh my God, I'm a bad person. I'm a terrible daughter. I'm a terrible friend. Like no one should ever love me again. So for that, you got to go to therapy, right? (laughs) And start talking about like why it is that you have this, oh, I don't know, perfectionism and like what that means and how you 
how you show up and all that kind of stuff. So definitely therapy, number one, being honest with yourself about who you are. And if like, I think about, I drive to Alabama sometimes on a nine hour drive. And I have done this before. Can I sit with myself and talk through the thing, like what's really going on and get to the root for real? Like what, it, what core emotion, what core feeling, what core thing mm-hmm. is the problem with myself without trying to like shirk away from it and be like, oh my God, like I don't even want to touch that. I don't even want to deal with that. And that took, that took some therapy for real. And like some, I felt like to, for me, I think it took like some like spirituality, like getting really deep within myself. Like if I'm gonna say I'm a no God for real, for real, like I'm be all sold out, like heart, soul, mind, body, all that kind of stuff. Like what does that mean for my relationship with myself? Like what Shakespeare said, like to thine own self be true. How are you going to be true to yourself if you don't know who you are? If you can't sit with yourself and like think through who am I? What do I like? What do I dislike? Like, what have I just been inundated with as far as messages from social media and other people? And now that I'm out here in Dallas by myself, like I got to forge my own, my style path. Like, how do I like to wear my hair? What kind of makeup do I like? What do I like to listen to? What do I like to read? What do I like to, it's kind of like I got to create another version of myself when I moved and like became an adult. And it wasn't, I think in from high school to college, it was based off of like my, now my identity is going to Auburn and mm-hmm. from college to getting a job, it was like, oh, this is real. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I can, like, I'm a teacher. Cool. Great. But like, now people want to know about me. Like they don't want to talk about college anymore. They want to know what I like to do, who I am and how I move throughout the world. And I really had to like go to therapy, sit down, talk with myself, talk with my friends to be like, okay, like this, this is that, like, this is who I am. Um, and it was scary. It was so hard. Yeah. (laughs) And I, I think about like, even the idea of, I would say, I would dare to say like reinventing yourself. Right. Like, because I think adulthood always calls for us to just be a new version of ourselves. And I would say someone who's been in, been, I feel like I'm a seasoned adult at this point that like different seasons of adulthood have called for me to be, a, like have called for me to evolve into a different person, right? Core values are the same, like personality, like all those things are still the same, but to have a stronger sense of self means that like, I'm going to have to go back to therapy and I'm going to have to spend a bit more time like really digging into the things that I, I don't want to, like you said, like the things that you're like, oh, don't, I don't want to touch that. Like it's too much. And I don't want to dig. <clears throat> like those are the things that I think help to not, not just shape who we are, but like really help. I hope like free us from some of the shit that we've like, picked up from other people right it'd be like actually no like someone told me that when I was 18 and I believe them because I don't have a strong sense of self and I've carried that with me and now as I'm unpacking it I'm like nothing about there's no evidence that would lead me to believe that that's actually true about me but I held on to it and I've I've that's been become a part of who I am and like that's not true right right I have a really great example for that like I think growing up I had this really very like binary type of thinking of like you can either be smart or you can be pretty that's it like either be smart or you can be pretty as a girl that's it like I was a smart girl so I was not a pretty girl pretty girls were not smart smart girls were not pretty and like in my mind 
I've known lots of, I grew up with girls who were very, very beautiful and so, so intelligent, but there was always a girl who was the prettiest and there was always a different girl who was the smartest and they were never the same person. Um, and so I feel like I got inundated with a lot of like smart, 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 smart. So I was like, oh, well, damn, I'm not pretty. Like, okay, cool. Like, that's just not my thing. So I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to do pretty without compromising smart. Like, how do I, how do I attract boys in high school? Like being smart, but I need to like balance that with being pretty. So like, what does he like? Like, how can I be more of like what this, you know, random high school boy wants or in college? Like, how can I be the, how can I be all things to this one person? Like, I need to be smart. I need to be pretty. I need to do this. I need to do that. And I spiraled so hard of like, like, damn, like I'm not an IG baddie. I don't know how to do my makeup. Like I'm never going to be anything. Like nobody's ever going to want to talk to me. And it really just clicked for me of like, you are so dumb girl. Like you can be both of these things. And it's not this like one or the other. Um, and so much of what you've picked up of like this, like IG baddie model person who's also like a doctor and has cured cancer is like this non-existent figment of your imagination. And people on social media who seem like they're that person are just talking it up. And when you meet some of these people in real life, you realize like, damn, she's sad. Ooh, like, or wow, she's also really insecure about this one thing or this one thing. And once I realized that everybody felt like they were missing some piece of something. And if like you see other people and they say, I'm missing this and like, I don't have this. And you're like, but you have all of this and you are so wonderful. Once you can do that for somebody else for real and like not just be doing it to down on yourself. It's like, oh, maybe what I was looking for, it was within me the whole time. And I shouldn't have been out here trying to like put myself in one box or the other. And that was hard to do because I, I had to really like let go of some of the stuff that I caught from other people of like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, like, am the intelligence is the thing that I have. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not in politics. I'm not living to my full potential because I'm a teacher or I'm an education. Like, how dare I let down this smart side of myself? Cause I damn sure ain't pretty. And I was like, Whoa, like I was, I was mad at myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like comparing myself to other people who had jobs that I definitely didn't want because like th- they got to pick their box and stay in it and really go with it. And I was like, I'm not even good at the the one thing I do have. And that was just not true. Like, <laughs> yeah, I remember being in a similar binary. Um, mine was you could be pretty or smart and athletic. So you could be pretty and athletic, you could be smart and athletic, but you couldn't be pretty smart and athletic. Didn't I didn't know many people that fit that mold. Um, <clears throat> but I love what you said, right? That like, eventually you just figure out like everybody has something that they they wish that they had that they don't, that they're insecure about. And when you figure out like everybody in the world is walking around with at least one insecurity, you're like, oh, all right, this is, this is a normal part of life. Yeah. Like, okay, great. Um, and I think for me, what helped me was realizing like 
<laughs> babes, I'm not an IG baddie kind of girl. I'm not, and that's okay. Like Jasmine Prince, I'm, I'm gonna keep it real comfy and real cute at all times. Like it, the way I wanna put on leggings and sneakers every single day of my life, like that's a real thing. And there's nothing, like there's space in the world for that, right? Like you don't have to show up as an IG baddie every day. If that's not like, if that's your MO, by all means, rock out, sis. Right. That's not my MO though. Like and they never, that's never been me. And I had to get real about like, you are trying to um, show up in a way that is, you know, is, it is actually against the grain of who you are, mm-hmm. right? Like that's not who you are. And so no wonder it's hard and no wonder like you're not super confident when you do it because like that is not at your core. Like that's not who you are. That's not what you like. And so you out here trying to put on a front for folks who like could care less. They could care less because they put on their own front about their own shit. Exactly. They do. Right? <laughs> so just like show up as yourself because like if the people who like vibe with it, they're going to vibe with it and they're going to love you for it. And the people who don't like, oh, that's fine. Right. Yeah. I got a lot of, I got a lot of people who vibe with it and I'm, a, I'm cool with the folks who vibe with it. And if you don't vibe with it, no love lost. You just don't vibe with it. And that's fine. Right. Yeah. And like, that that's okay but I think it took like really being honest about like why why do you think that you have to show up this way and to impress who and do you even like showing up this way because if you don't like showing up this way and you're trying to impress people who haven't proven themselves to want to be significant or be significant then you're doing it the wrong way like you're doing it the wrong way and so I'm and it's wild because I'm still like learning that and still sort of all the time all the time like I feel like I gotta coach myself and take myself to therapy like every week or so in my mind of like girl like okay don't you're like yeah I gotta pick I gotta pick out a birthday outfit this weekend and I'm like okay like I'm gonna go and I'm like that's not me I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to Abercrombie okay we'll pick (laughs) up something at Abercrombie little jean skirt or something that those are back in and it's gonna be fine I don't have to order off a fashion Nova. The clothes don't fit me anyway. I don't like them. Like, yeah. And I'm not going to put myself through the stress of being like, mm, I'm not pretty because these clothes I don't even like don't fit me. Right. Or like you, you, it's like, you're trying to put a square peg in a round hole and you're like, why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? Like, why am I not accepted? Why am I not confident? Why am I not happy? Because you just weren't even made to be there in the first place. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think, and I think it goes all the way back to what you said, right? Like you've got to spend enough time with yourself to really know who you really are outside of the, the different things, society, and like everything that would try to influence who you actually are. You've got to sit with yourself long enough and dig deep enough to like, be like, no, 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 like 10 toes down, this who I am to my core, period. And, and let that really be like, and this is it. That's who I am, period. And this is who I am. Right, yeah. And so I love that. Um, I have been really um, inspired over the last year as you sort of talked more about that journey and then realizing the like, yeah, it's so many, it's so many people who are going through the same thing. Doing the same thing. Yes, but I appreciate your, like your authenticity and just like your vulnerability and transparency around like your own journey, both the good and the bad, right? Because we know it's like, it's not all just like, oh my God, I love myself. I'm like, this is so great. Like there are moments when you've shared like, this shit sucks and I'm really trying to work through this. Horrible. But I'm here, right? And I've made it and I'm all right. Um, and so, 
So I appreciate, I appreciate your authenticity and your transparency in that way because it has helped me on my journey um, as well. So I appreciate you. <laughs> love, love. Um, okay, so we're running down. I have one, it's not a question. It is more of a fill in the blank statement because it's called permission to pivot, you know. Um, so fill in the blank. I have permission to. I have permission to move without fear. Like that's just like not, take it how you will. I have the permission to move without fear. Like whatever that means out of, out of the state, out of the city, out of the job, out of the relationship, out of the everything, I think I hold myself back. I have in the past held myself back because of like, dang, I'm really scared. Or what are people going to think if I have a fifth job in a year? <laughs> or <laughs> what is my mama going to say? Right. <laughs> like, how am I ever going to be like, am I not going to live up to the idea of myself of like, people really want me to be, think I'm going to be successful. Like, what does that look like if I keep moving here, there, everywhere, doing whatever the thing is, but I have permission to move without fear. All right. Well, y'all heard it here first. You have permission to move without fear in whatever way you may need that encouragement today. Um, Bree, I appreciate you so much. It's always a pleasure getting to connect with you. I am so, so, so proud of the woman that you are, the woman that you're becoming, how you are showing up and adding value in the world. Um, you have grown immensely since I met you at Auburn. Um, and it makes me excited to be a part of like the village that has helped to shape that. Um, and so I just want to say I'm proud of you and I love you so, so very much. And I want to give you your flowers for that. I love you too. Thank you. Oh, thank you for inviting me. This is great. Of course. Bye. <laughs>